0: When I was a kid, I was a Johnny Unitas fan, and uh, Baltimore Colts, and uh, I'm still a Colts fan, and they're just about to play the Jags right now, so if we could just pray. (laughs) I'd really like to make the playoffs this year. Maybe you could just quietly mutter prayers of faith for the Indianapolis Colts. Nobody cares about the Jaguars, do they? I mean, (laughs) dumb team, they have ugly uniforms. Yeah, 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 I'm really a strong fan. Everyone else is the enemy. So, are you ready to roll? All right. Um, If you would, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, I'm going to read, starting at verse 14. And what, I'm going to read this, and then we're just going to kind of move on. And my plan is that we will end up here. So we're going to start here and end up here. So we won't talk about it again, really, until the end. But I want it rumbling around in your massive brains, okay? Ephesians 4 or 3, verse 14. For this reason, this is the Apostle Paul, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you for your word, and we're grateful that you've called us not only to you, but you've called us to community, that you love us as individuals, but that you absolutely are crazy about us as a community. Lord, we read your word today, and we're going to we're gonna look at some others as well, but as as we consider your word today, we ask in faith that it would just absolutely come alive in our hearts and in our minds and in our spirits. Lord, there are some of us here today who just really are truly desperate to hear from you, to be touched by you, to be strengthened by you, and to be made enthusiastic about your work. So we we just come before you and we declare our dependence on you and our absolute need for your life in us. We ask that you would help us as we stir up the things that you have put in us that we might be effective and fully equipped to do the work you've called us to do. We come to you in the name of your Son. We are hidden in him and so we have the right to stand before you and ask and so we do. Amen. I'm going to take a a rabbit trail just because of a song that we sang earlier today. And it talks about our God is mighty to save. Do you remember that one? And um, it just so happens that it hits on one of my absolute favorite scriptures I don't know about you, but I can kind of look it back at my life and realize that my, my life is, could be measured by the scriptures that came alive at certain times in my life, and they just became landmarks. It's, my brother would say that, that you know, if, if, if you're kind of trying to mark your progress and making sure that you never go backwards, as soon as you reach a point where there's like a platform or a position where you've grown some, plant a flag, and don't ever forget that was your your point of progress don't ever let yourself go past that backwards again right and so I think a lot of us we can really we can measure our growth by certain things that have happened in our lives and things that God has spoken to us and things that became clear all of a sudden and almost always that's when the word comes alive in our lives and this is one of them for me it's Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 and I, I I've just felt like putting in context that scripture that we actually sang today. These worship leaders trick us into praying and speaking scripture. They trick us into these things. And, but he says, A God is mighty to save. But here's what it says in Zephaniah 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. In your midst. Right here. A mighty one who will save, or mighty to save. That's where that comes from. And he will rejoice over you with gladness. Picture that. Now, this is, this is, I believe, for each of us individually, but he's actually speaking to his people as a community. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And he will exult over you with loud Singing. Ah, oh, I love that scripture. There are some times when I just have to picture God exulting over me with loud singing. It, it, isn't, it isn't any of this wimpy, you know, get in touch with your feelings kind of singing. This is, He, he is exulting over you and He is doing it loudly with song. Because he's, he's speaking to your spirit, and he's saying, I love you. I'm nuts about you people. I'm crazy about what you're doing. I've given you what I have to give, and, and I'm just so excited to see what happens with you. And he says, I'll keep you safe. I'll watch over you. I'll deliver you. I'll fulfill the promises over your life. And, and all the while he's doing that, he's just exulting over you. And he, he's doing it in loud singing. I, I wish I had the confidence to just belt it out right now. But can you picture that? We talk about him laying us down be- beside peaceful stream, right? And we, we love Psalm 23. I mean, it's just one of the most amazing scriptures. But this isn't Psalm 23. This is sitting you down maybe in calm, a calm meadow under a beautiful tree, and then he starts singing really loud. And I'm pretty sure it turns into a dance party. So just for a moment, if we go back and look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, and he's talking about the love of God. He says, I pray that you would receive power. Ooh. See, this is where I want to end up, and I'm coming back to it already. What does he want you to have power? Why does he want you to have power? Because he wants you to understand the amazing love that he has for you. And he says it requires power in your inner being to get that. He says, I want to give you a knowledge that is beyond knowledge. It's not knowable. In Ephesians 1, he, he says again, he says, I'm on my knees for you, and I'm praying that God would give you the spirit of revelation, wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you might know him better. And so how can you know this unknowable love? Because God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. And all of a sudden you begin to understand this love is not common. This love is not like anything we could even hope to describe. He's, he's doing his best here saying the breadth, the wet. Wow, that's really weird. The, the, the width, <laughs> the breadth, the depth, the height. He's trying to give you a picture and, and me a picture of of how vast and amazing and overwhelming this love is. This is good stuff. When we talk about the good news, a lot of times people listen to us and they, I'm sure they must be wondering, what in the world is this person talking about? Because that doesn't sound very good. It sounds dull. It sounds, it sounds kind of confining. It sounds restrictive. Do you know in that scripture, boy, I am really taking a rabbit trail. That scripture, it says, he is mighty to save in, in Zephaniah. Do you know what the word save means in that particular context? And, and really throughout scripture, when there's the promise that God will save and, and he will send us a savior, that word literally means to take someone out of captivity and, and, and being kind of condensed, but out, it's to take them out of something and into a wide-open, spacious place. That's literally what that word means. And so when he talks about, I am mighty to save, or he is mighty to save, it's it's saying he is able to and intends to take us out of our confinement and our restriction, and into a wide-open, spacious place. When we start talking like that, church, people want to listen. When we start living like that, like people who live in wide-open, spacious places, and we're not telling people how to live restrictive lives, but we're encouraging them to live wide-open and spacious, it changes things. And all of a sudden, the news becomes really, really good. It becomes something that people cannot deny. They have to be with it and in it. And they want to feel it. So, I did not intend to yell at you this fast. <laughs> so, are you, I, I want to gallop through some scripture just for some context. So, I, do, I don't do PowerPoints usually because whenever I do PowerPoints, then I feel like I have to do what the PowerPoint said that I need to do. And I hardly ever do that. And I don't enjoy doing that. And so, um, I'm just going to, we're going to gallop through some scriptures and hang in there with me. Um, we're going to be mostly in John and then the book of Acts, so you can, you can um, be ready for that. I have them all here on my phone. So John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. All right, so that's where we're headed. Not just with you. John chapter 15 verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. Now, a lot of times our confession is I can't do nothing. But the rest of the confession is actually fairly important. <laughs> it's that if if you abide in him and he in you, and we know that that in, in another scripture where Jesus talks about that, he he's what he's saying is, if you will invite me, I will come in, the Father and I. And we will abide with you. And that means literally, we will never leave. Right? So he's. He says, we will come in, but we're never going to leave. So are you ready for that? I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, maybe we should be a little more clear when we're praying for people to receive Christ and say, now you understand that this is irreversible. This doesn't like, you don't, this doesn't change. You're, you're about to be completely changed forever. You're about to enter into eternity. There's a big door with a vast unknown beyond it. You're about to go there. He says, because he says, when we come, we're not leaving. All right, John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples who do not want him to go away. And he says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but I will go, I will send him to you. And he went on and said, I, I actually have to go because I have to remind the Father of that promise. We forgot a scripture. It's a really important one. We'll come back to it. It's the promise. So we better get back to that. Ezekiel 36, 26. I told you we were going to gallop, but I should have started here. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay? That was kind of important. I should have brought that a little earlier. That's the promise. And Jesus says, I need to go and remind Dad that he made a promise many generations ago And as soon as I do that, he is going to send it. So wait here, don't go anywhere. Just wait here until the helper comes, okay? So now we're gonna go to Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. When you receive the helper, you will receive power when we were just kind of getting used to hanging around with weird people like you. In our church, back in those days, we had acetates for worship, right? The, the transparencies and they, they'd have the machine sitting here and, and the faithful servant who would continue to put new transparencies on the thing so they would shine up on the wall. And we would always sing, there is power, power. But there was a misspelling in that song and nobody ever corrected it for some reason. You get the impression acetates cost like three hundred dollars a piece or something. But the, it, it was it was spelled poweer. And so every time I sing that song, and every time I see power in scripture, I always think powweir. <laughs> there is poweer, poweer. I don't know what in the world <laughs> visitors would have thought. Acts chapter four, verse twenty-nine. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants This savior that we talk about, we're about to celebrate his birth, which means we always end up talking about his death. We talk about the sacrifice that the father gave when he gave his son up to be murdered horridly. And after he was murdered and, and the breath was gone from him, they laid him in a tomb and they sealed the tomb. And he laid in that tomb for three days three days, just to make sure he was dead. It's kind of like dead, 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 right? It, yeah, most, no mostly deads. Dead, dead, dead. If you're laying in a tomb that's sealed, you're dead, dead, dead. But God, the Father, we, we don't know exactly. It's not really described, but, but we have to know because he was a father, and the love that the son had for his father re- was reflecting the love that the father had had for him. And so we know that that father, when the time came, when, when that appointed moment came, when, when it was time for him to be resurrected, I just, I don't know how you picture it other than a father bending over the, the broken, dead, dead, dead body of his son and putting his lips on his son's lips and breathing life into him. I don't know how else to picture it. But it says he was filled with life. He was filled with breath. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, that's, that is actually what we're talking about. The Spirit is breath. When we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about holy breath. We're talking about, we are talking about a person or a, rep, uh, a, a part of the Trinity, if you will, uh, an aspect of God's reality, but, but we're also talking about someone that Jesus said would be sent to help us, the very breath of God himself. And so you and I, Jesus represented something when he laid in the tomb, and he represented something when his father breathed into him and he took on new life. He represented resurrection, power, power When you and I, again, I don't know what it looks like in the spirit realm, except that as soon as it happens, it says multitudes of angels just erupt in celebration when one of us bends our knees and bends our will and we allow the breath of God to come into us. When we talk about being born again, what we're talking about is receiving the very breath of the living God. It's a miraculous thing. It's a a wonder. It's a mystery. There's no way to really understand it. But it's true. It's real. It's why it changes us. But it's not enough. Because we know that the Scriptures are full of exhortation about being full of the Holy Spirit and being filled again with the Holy Spirit and walking according to. We just read a scripture that says, if you love me, you'll obey me. But we really have a hard time doing that. Really, on, the, the, truthfully, the, the one thing we do to obey God is be fruitful and multiply. And, and generally, it's just because we really like sex. <laughs> and so th- that's really the truth, right? So, so I remember one time saying to the Lord, I say, Lord, I just, I just wish you would tell me what you want me to do just tell me what you want me to do and i'm just having i'm really kind of giving it to him and and the lord just says brian you know i've done that before i've i've written it on stone i've i've written it on walls it's on paper i i gave you all kinds of things that tell you and he says None of you people obey, and you're no different, Brian. You are not finally the man who came along who would obey me. (laughs) He said, I had one of them, and he's with me now in glory. He said, what I have done, this is is revelation. He said, what I have done is I have sent you my helper. And he says, you no longer have to follow rules and regulations. If you want to obey me, walk according to my spirit. If you walk according to my spirit, you will fulfill my will. He said, so Brian, you don't need me to tell you what to do because quite honestly, you're as bad as the rest of them. But you can learn to be controlled by my Holy Spirit. So it's a pretty amazing thing if we think about what it is that we've just read here it should actually look pretty energetic if somebody were watching our lives, shouldn't it? This amazing man in our lives named Keith Hazel, and Keith um, was really very much a, a spiritual father to us, and, and before he died um, five, six years ago, we had the opportunity to go and just be with him a couple of days before he died just had literally a a last supper with him and a time to pray. And I, I asked him, I said, kind of toward the end, I said, Keith, if you could just have one more shot at speaking to the church today, what would you say? And he just started weeping. And he said, Brian, please, just don't forsake the work of the Holy Spirit in your midst. Don't forsake the Holy Spirit. He says, we have fought so hard to see the the ministry and the reality of the Holy Spirit in the church today. It it wasn't always this way. And he says, please, 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 don't neglect it and don't despise it. When I was a boy, uh, I was raised in the Catholic Church. And those of you that were raised in the Catholic Church, you know it's, it's culturally, it's really strong, and you just kind of are what you are because you are. And uh, when we moved to Montana, I was 13 years old, and, and uh, I was going to the church in, in Deer Lodge is where I was, and we were getting ready to be confirmed. Anyone here go through the confirmation process? Yeah, there's some of, some of us here. And, and I was like most boys who were 13. I went because they were good-looking girls. And, uh, and that said, we only went to probably about half of the meetings because we usually, I always would illegally drive my parents' car along the back roads to Deer Lodge with all my buddies and, and we would just goof off for a couple hours while we were supposed to be in CCD or whatever it was called. But I remember the night for confirmation, the bishop came to town and it was a really, really big deal. And the church was decked out and the lights were low and the bishop had his bishop hat on. And it was impressive. And all of a sudden, I thought, I wish I'd have paid more attention to my classes. Because I think he's supposed to ask me a question, and I don't know if I'm going to know the answer. All I remember about that is, at some point in the proceedings, the bishop laid hands on me. And I cannot explain to you what happened, other than to say, God showed up. And, and, and I know that will mess with some of you people's theology, and sorry about that. But I don't, it's not what I expected, and I'm confident that the bishop had no idea what was happening. But something happened in me. I had never heard the gospel, but somehow God made his presence so real to me. And I felt like I just glowed for, for an entire year. And I had this incredible, uh, intimate relationship with God. Not Jesus, but with God. It was it was amazing. And then um, later on in life, I still hadn't heard the gospel. I was going to church. I was in college in Billings, and <clears throat> I was going to the church, going to Catholic church at least twice a day, sometimes three if I could work out the time with my schedule I was doing confession every time I got a chance and I remember one time going in and 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 doing the confession thing and father Kevin who I just thought was the coolest guy and he says well Brian I you know in the name of Jesus I forgive your sins you're as white as snow and I remember feeling like wow that's something I've always longed for And I remember walking out and opening those big doors in the front of the Catholic Church. And as soon as I hit the first steps, I realized I was filthy already. And something in me snapped, and I never went back to the Catholic Church after that. And I ended up in a Reformed Orthodox Presbyterian Church. I still have no idea what any of those things mean, but... (laughs) But it was, it was a changer. It was a game changer for me. And uh, I, I met this woman named Mary Carol who was just a tiny, just a sprig. And she was full of the Holy Spirit. And she began to disciple me and teach me and show me how to pray and how to lead Bible studies and how to study the Bible. She really, some of my most amazing discipleship took place at the hands of this, this, this amazing woman who just took me in. But then I always would walk past the, this other group. I, I became the leader of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship on campus, which is just weird because a Catholic, Reformed Orthodox Presbyterian, all of a sudden is, <laughs> I've got so much knowledge now and so much experience. And uh, here I am leading this group. But every time I walked down the hallway, there was a big room with a lot of people in it who were really loud and noisy, and their hands were always up in the air. And I always remember thinking, I wish I could be part of that group, but I'm leading the other boring one. <laughs> but I, I used to argue against the Holy Spirit. I, I studied Scripture to prove to these people that the Holy Spirit came just one time in your life, it was a good deal, hang on to it. And, and I, I was forceful. I, again, I, I thought with all of my great experience in this, this uh, relatively small brain, I had really had this thing figured out. And I argued with people with, with, with vigor and energy while sitting on the bar stool half-drunk. I thought I was really effective in my ministry against that Holy Spirit stuff. I was dating Margaret, and uh, we, we weren't exactly right in our relationship. We were engaged to be married, so that's okay, right? Well, one day I'm studying here in Missoula. I'm, I'm in my first year of law school, and I'm in my little basement apartment, and I'm studying so hard for midterms and it's the middle of the day it's the afternoon and all of a sudden the room changed and it just filled with a presence i had never experienced before like that and it was not i didn't need an introduction it was god it was the presence of my father and it it just it just like there wasn't light there wasn't darkness there was just him it just i could hardly breathe And there wasn't a lot of, like, getting acquainted and working into the conversation. He just had something he wanted to say to me. He said, she's my girl, and if you mess with her one more time, I will turn my back on you. And then for a moment, he showed me what that would look like and feel like, and it was horrifying. It was dark and cold and alone. And again, that might mess with your theology. I'm just telling you I was dealing with an angry dad. And that dad made it really clear that I was not to do that ever again with his girl. I was, wow. I had never seen anything like that. Never felt, I was so scared. And I didn't know what to do, so I got in my tired old car and I drove all the way to Red Lodge because I knew there was a Christian there. <laughs> and and I, I, I went to my brother-in-law. He says, well, I think you need to talk to the pastor. So... So he took me to the pastor, and I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just tears and boogers everywhere, and I'm just absolutely empty and broken and scared. And, and he listened to my confession, and I'm sure he was giggling. And, and he, we prayed, and, and I just, he says, you're, you know, you're forgiven. God forgives you. You've confessed your sin. He's, and then he read a scripture out of Luke. I still, to this day, have no idea what it had to do with the Holy Spirit. But he, he read the scripture, and then he says, do you want the power of the Holy Spirit? The one I've been arguing against, I thought, quite effectively for quite some time. And I said, I have been longing for that for so long. I just start crying again, and he laid hands on me. Wow. I wish everybody could experience. I'm not, not everybody does. Sometimes it's just not that shattering and life-changing um, it initially. But for me, it was like night and day. It changed everything. And I, I, I was amazed. I, I just loved praying in tongues. And I finally, I think somewhere in the, in the night, I, I called Martin. and I said, I told her what had happened to me. I still hadn't talked to her told her anything. I, I, I told her what happened, and I said, have you heard about this? baptism of the Holy Spirit thing? And she goes, well, yeah, I think so. A bunch of people at the church one time all got around me and laid their sweaty hands on me and started muttering in weird kind of language. And, and, and I, just, I just wanted to get rid of them, so I made some noises and they left me alone. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? I said, no, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about something a lot different than that. I said, I don't know. I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. I've just, I I can't even still hardly breathe because of the presence of God and and the reality of this presence of God in me like I've never even hoped for. I said, I just know you have to get it, talk to somebody, get it sorted out. And I said... And by the way, your dad was really mad. And so um, we're going to get married now in about three months, but I'm not going to see you. I am not taking any chances at all. (laughs) Nothing is even going to flash through this brain. (laughs) And so we did it. We didn't see each other until the day before the wedding. So here I was now a Catholic, Reformed, Orthodox, Presbyterian, Pentecostal. <laughs> and I encountered the Holy Spirit. And what, what, I, what I've come to understand is that when you get the Holy Spirit, you get the original. You get the real deal. You, you know how you, if you take a, a, a piece of paper with writing on it and you put it in the photocopier, you get a copy. And if you take that copy and copy that and copy that and copy that, and pretty soon the, 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 the thing's not even readable because it keeps changing with each one. But you see, when, when I lay hands on you or you lay hands on me and, and impart the Holy Spirit, you get the original. You don't get a copy. You don't get something out of me. You get something from God, from heaven. And He just fills you And the intention has always been that you would remain filled, and when you emptied out, you would get filled again. One of the the doctrines, the basic doctrines of Christ, there's six of them, and we hardly ever talk about them, except Paul said you should make sure these things are all in place before you do anything else. We don't even talk about those hardly anymore. But one of them is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. It's a basic doctrine of Christ. And when you feel empty, do you just moan and groan and and think, I should exercise more? I know you. (laughs) Thanks, Rudy. (laughs) Or do you find someone who is full of the Holy Spirit and ask them to lay hands on you and impart that Holy Spirit to you once again? You see, we were never intended to walk without the helper. Never. This was not supposed to be. But you guys, I think we have gotten used to being partially full. There's, we live in an age that's just phenomenal, information, so many good things. Every, every week, my daughter sends me at least two or three new podcasts that I should listen to. and She's right, the great stuff. There's so many books. I've got friends now. I mean, I've got friends who are writing books. I'm thinking, well, it used to be the people who were just, like, far away, and, you know, we, we, but now just people like me are writing books. Anybody can write a book. And we read them. And some of these books are, are amazing books. I, I think of books that are written by Bill Hybels and, 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 um. Rick Warren and Andy Stanley and, and just some of the, the mighty people that we see as really heroes in the faith in this day, and they're, they're almost all of them are apostolic people. And, and they're, they're having these experiences, and then they write the book, and then we read the book, and we think, now if I would just do what Bill did, then I'm going to have the same or similar experience to Bill. But see, that was never the intention. I don't know what Bill's intention was, but it was never God's. You see, what Bill did, if you read his story... If you read Andy Stanley's story, if you read Rick Warren's story, if you read the stories of any of these people that we're reading and trying to copy them, well, it, it's, it's Bill Johnson or whoever it is. We'll read them, but what we're, what we're missing is that those guys, most of them, or women, they, they went after God until they heard from him. And when they heard from him, they obeyed him. And because they obeyed him, God was able to bless them. The work that they did and how were they able to obey him because they were full of the spirit and and having obeyed having heard god they obeyed him and then god was able to do what he had always intended to do the scripture says there are good works that god has foreordained for each of you to accomplish while you were on this earth bill was finally accomplishing what he had been put on the earth for and then he wrote the book and so did Rick. And we thought if we did that stuff, then we, would, we could be like them. But that was never the intention. That was never God's intention. And what you're doing is you're making a copy of a copy. But if you would seek after God until you heard from him, and then obey what you hear, and do what he says, then you could be writing a book. <laughs> but more importantly... You could be an example to the rest of us of what can happen when someone filled with the Holy Spirit hears from God and obeys. And then all of a sudden, Josh and the team here will not have to have meetings about strategy. They won't have to have meetings about how to have meetings. Because you do. We do. We have meetings about how to have meetings. And then we say, well, there's a really good book that tells us how they do meetings. Go, Oh, yeah, yeah, let's get another book. (laughs) Let's waste another six months trying to do what somebody else did. Friends, revive. I'm telling you, there is a pattern God wants to set here. and, And I will tell you, he is setting it. I can see it. He is doing something here. But do not fall back on the idea that it's up to the leaders. And do not fall back on the idea that the leaders have to get it from somewhere else. What you should be doing is what your leaders should be doing, which is what Paul was doing. He was on his knees, and he was saying, I pray, Father, that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they would know you better. And then he went back on his knees, and he said, Lord, and I pray you would give them power. And we hear that, we go, power! Now we're going to kick some devil butt." Let's go kick some devil butt. We got power in the name of Jesus. We get all excited about that, except that Paul said, I pray that you would get power to see. Power to understand this love that he has for you. It's crazy. And if we get that love, some amazing things happen. I'm confident I'm... Past my time. So we better get back to where I said we were going to, which is Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that is surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now there's a bonus. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But in 1 Thessalonians 13, the author talks about the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And I know I'm not spending a lot of time on that, but I, I want you to hear that because it, it's, like, it's like you could have one horse pulling the wagon or you're going to have two. And we were intended to always have two. And, and that we've got the, the Holy Spirit, but the, the other horse that needs to be hitched to the wagon is the Word. And, and he says that Word that is in you is now working in you, believers. So you've got the Holy Spirit, the reality of the presence of God through Christ in you. It's real. And then you've got the word that is equally real and equally essential. And he says, once it's been implanted, it just works in you. We know in Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about the word of God is living, active, sharp piercing discerning so if we've got the word in us and it's activated and we have the holy spirit in us and we are full you guys there's some amazing things that can happen but i want to i want to come back for a moment to paul's example where was he he was on his knees when was the last time you were on your knees praying for one another, praying for the others in this room? I can tell you truthfully that I've given it up for decades until this. <laughs> and I, it just, It's like the Lord just showing me, this is what the Apostle Paul, our hero, this mighty man, he's on his knees praying for And this is what he's praying. You see, our circumstances are still always, we're always going to have circumstances as long as we walk on this earth. And we're always going to wish our circumstances maybe could be different. But there is something that we truly actually will change everything, and that is prayer and the presence of God. It doesn't mean your circumstances will change all the time, but it means you will because you're on this planet for one another and we should be on our knees for one another, but we should be praying these kinds of prayers, not Lord, heal them. That's important. I'm not saying that that's not part of it, but that sometimes has become the, our, our full diet. Are you like me that sometimes when you, in the morning when you, when you go to pray, you just... Start off with your list of things that need to be sorted out in your life, under other people's lives. And you realize, oh, I forgot to even, like, worship you. (laughs) Maybe that's important. But, you see, what what Paul says is that just get on your knees and really begin to pray for one another like this, like this. Because what will happen is you'll start loving each other like this. And when you start loving each other like this, everyone else in your life is going to say, I don't get it. I don't know where it comes from. But these people seem to really love one another. Surely, God must be their Lord. And then we don't need those strategy meetings anymore. We don't, our meetings will be, what are we going to do with these people? Because they seem to want something that they found here. Would you stand, please? Could I provoke you to get on your knees? Not, not right now. You're welcome to. Okay. Let's just go ahead and do it. If you can, if you're able, just go to your knees. You don't have to be facing frontward. Let's just go to our knees as as a representation of our willingness to do it God's way. And let's do something very simple. Let's just pray together for one another as it's been modeled here. So I'm going to pray, and you can just agree. Father, for this reason, we bow our knees before you from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to your riches, your glory, you may grant each and every one of us here to be strengthened with power through your Spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, Lord, root us, Ground us in this life-changing love. That we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. That we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you, Lord, would fill us with all the fullness of your very presence and reality. Father, we pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know you better. Lord, would you find us in this season of our lives on our knees, humbled and grateful and expectant that you will begin a revival of love in our hearts, each one of us, and in our community right here that they may know that you are our Lord. We bring this before you, Lord, in faith and expectation. We love you so much, but Lord, show us that love. Reveal it to us. Let it become so real. And let us begin to just lift one another like this in prayer, Father, rather than exercising our opinions and voicing our judgments. Lord, let us be a people who quickly love and slowly criticize.